Hey, Soraya, how's it going? Hey, Jeff. All right, post, let me see. We're post-holiday into December. Yes. Marching our way down through the last days of 2020. The last <laughs> Ooh, I made a funny. You, <laughs> you made a funny. So please tell our listeners what we're going to be talking about today. So today we're going to, we've got the most specialist of guests. We have on today Joe Nolte and Venus Matare of The Lost, The Last, The Lost, to talk about The Lost Album, <laughs> look again, um, uh, which was recently re-released on Fat Possum Records. 40 years, right? Yes. 40 years after it was originally recorded. Uh, I mean, but it's a beautiful uh, remastering, re-everything. And uh, I know, Jeff, you can't wait to get started. So let's just do it. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tune. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agrubiar. Let's get groovy. Do you can't find a balance? Um, yeah, I'm going to put this down. <sighs> okay, so, sorry, are we all set? We're set. All right. Well, we are very excited because as you were mentioning, Soraya, we have two very special guests. Do you want to remind our listeners from a minute ago? <laughs> sure. So we have joining us today the one and only Joe Nolte and also the equally exclusive Vidas Matare, both of them together today with us to talk about God help you all. This beautiful piece. Of vinyl. Oh, it looks really good on the screen. Those graphics translate. Look again, which has been recently released for the first time, but 40 years after the fact. Yeah, so we have a few questions for both of you. Um, on our episode number 73, which was a few months ago, we had a couple special guests on with Tom Stevens of the Long Riders and Lena Latonwa um, from Peer Group. They came on our show because they are equally hardcore fans as the two of us are and uh, we were talking about the album and at that time there was no release for it um it was just something that was recorded many 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 years ago and we were waiting for and here we are in fact i just came from my mailbox that has this so i want to do like a one minute unboxing to see what what's inside this box if you guys don't mind yeah the suspense is killing me because other people are not getting the seven inch, even though they ordered the initial special pressing. And some people didn't get the lyric sheet. I'm hearing about all this stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, let's yeah, see. We, we just ordered a copy and didn't get a. Actually, though, there haven't been a lot of other uh, complaints. So hopefully, hopefully these are isolated. Maybe everyone's a special edition. Who knows? Well, inside That's my true. box. Yeah. We all it. right. So I got this in my box. And I got this. So Soraya opened hers up and it looks like she had all the goodies in there. Yeah. So um, real quick. Wow, he's really pro. He's got that opener for his <laughs> I buy a few albums, so <laughs> we got got the little hype sticker on there. Yeah. And then here's the back for those 
that are watching, some will be listening. Um, and then the cover is absolutely gorgeous. And inside, uh, I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> no, Don did a great job. Still me. So um, download card with a code that I'm covering up because I'm going to download the sucker. Ah. And then, as Sarai was showing me earlier, this really cool picture, which we'll talk about in a bit, and lyrics. Yay. And then this gorgeous blue swirl blue. Woo! vinyl. Look at that. Rolling. Gorgeous. <laughs> and then, of course, this trifold insert that comes with it. I love this with the, the band's logo on it. Some gig pictures. Yeah. And then all kinds of photos and background, which I haven't obviously had a chance to look through. And lastly, this edition comes with a single. Yay. All right. So we have some questions, don't we, Soraya? Quite a few. <laughs> so, Jeff, uh, I think I want to start out with, uh, and this, uh, Joe, I want to direct this question to you. Can you let our listeners know why Look Again did not come out in 1980? After <laughs> oh, there goes the rest of the interview. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd like, I'd, like, I'd like to point out, you know, how um, historians, you know, use um, like personal recollections as probably the most reliable source, which is, of course, idiotic because um, as studies have shown that memory like everything gets refiled after your first good night's sleep. So recollection after 24, 36 hours is ridiculous. Uh, Vetus and I have gone one better. We will typically start diverging our recollection from each other within 10 minutes. So. Okay. <laughs> Which is why it's good that we're both on. We can- uh, There are moments where we were seeing that perhaps the same thing, but we thought it was completely different. What you saw and what I saw. Please proceed. All right. Yes. <laughs> it makes it more fun um trying to remember which which one of us which which one of us has a uh, deaf right ear and which one has a deaf left ear um but anyway sorry let me do this real quick basically we um i personally approved uh the choice of uh, uh producers and companies because we were doing the album on spec and i made a mistake in um my choice because we ended up uh, with people that were not receptive to what we wanted to do, including not even letting us touch the mixer, um, which kind of defeated our purpose. I had wanted to, I kind of hogged a lot of the production during LA Explosion, so I owed Vetus one. And so he was supposed to like, you know, go nuts with this one. And instead he was sort of like, you know, prohibited from doing almost anything. And um, anyway, we did not have control. And um, what we ended up with was just a really bad mix. And it was, nevertheless, we attempted to uh, sell it to every label in town and um, got nowhere. And by the end of 1980, we realized it was dead in the water and we started looking for people to blame and suddenly we'd had a functioning you know sort of hierarchy that had you know worked for a number of years but now suddenly the last wasn't working and so everybody had their own idea on what was wrong and what needed to be fixed 
and how to fix it. And they were all completely different. And we uh, started looking for scapegoats and firing them one by one. Uh, my brother Mike being the first casualty in November of 1980. Um, at which point we stopped playing for six months while we tried to find somebody who could sing just like Mike. <laughs> yeah, we were smart guys. So um, uh, basically the, uh, the, the, the other uh, thing that happened as a result uh, of this mess was that the record just nobody wanted to put it out and so it just didn't come out and it took me a while because I was going through self-deception for several months oh this is great this is fine no really and gradually of course privately I'm realizing you're not fooling anyone and so as time went by, of course, we, we had less and less interest in putting it out. And um, yes, that's why it never came out. Huh. Well, that we begs the question for me, and I'll direct this to you, Vitas. 40 years later, so from 1980, and here we are in 2020, it gets released November of 2020. Why now for this album? I can't tell you how it started, but it was something between Joe and Randall Wixon that there was an opportunity to put it out. And immediately this argument broke out, what version? A new version that no one's certain of or put out the old test pressing version. And I was the one that insisted on going back to the reels and the reels were partially decayed. It was a particular tape stock where the magnetic film comes off of the Mylar backing. So it had to be baked very carefully. And then when it was, as it was transferred, there are all kinds of issues with dropout and the like that all had to be restored. Boring process, but we did it. And the first mixes were not very exciting because we tried to recreate what was on the test pressing first, have a baseline. And we came to find that all the signals were bad. And this is why the, the mixes sounded so terrible. I could go into the technical part of that, but uh, Joe and I went back and forth with this recording engineer, uh, producer by the name of Johnny Bell at Jazz Cats. The guy's awesome. And we just kept working through these reels until he kept coming up with better and better stuff. And those last mixes, Basically, he threw in everything that was on there. These were all things that Joe already had planned, extra vocal tracks, doubling of guitars that were supposed to be subtly put together. And we gave instructions to the guy recording it at the very beginning. And there's two guitars here, one's on the left, one's on the right, but the echoes are gonna be reversed, so it works as a stereo thing. He just ran one guitar up the middle. No amp signals were used in the mixing of that first version. We recorded the amp and the guitar. The amps were recorded really badly. The guitars were recorded direct direct injection guitar was what was used on that test pressing. And at the time we had pretty awesome amplifiers and stuff, but none of that shows through in that recording. A farfisa is like the lamest little instrument and it was plugged right into the console and just sit there and squeak, you know, spaghetti western beep, kind of keyboards. So Johnny Bell had to work through all of that and he actually went out and got the Marshall amplifier that Joe used to use and the Hammond, you know, thing that I used to use and run the uh, instrument tracks back out to those amplifiers, re-record them, and then put them into the mix and fix all these things. There was also an issue with a noise gate that cut out every few snare hits on the drum kit. So we had to go in surgically and fix the level of different drum hits because the gentleman that recorded the drums was very inexperienced and used the gate to shut off certain signals, but they were triggering wrong and nobody fixed it during the entire session, which kind of cut all the drive out of that record as Johnny Bell worked through it without using any digital samples, he used only the original recordings, but he would actually take the next snare hit, duplicate it, and move it back in where the snare hit 
had been muted by some piece of electronics in the original recording. So eh, that's a long story there, but uh, slowly reworked it to a point where now it's worth listening. And it's not about making the most awesome sounding record. It's the first record was so bad that you couldn't tell how excellent the songwriting was because there are some key songs on there that were the best things the last had. And those songs have been re-recorded by Joe in the last and there's really great versions out there, but it was so nice to restore the original recordings. 100%. And Joe, how did uh, Fat Possum uh, become involved as the label for this release? This is great. Okay, just says, uh, um, I was gonna actually fill in a couple of blanks for, for Vitus, but um, I, I, I could say just off the top of my head that, well, that would be a question for Randall. As far as okay, <laughs> but I could say okay. As far okay, um, as far as how it started, actually, uh, 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 my wife who um, doesn't who wants to pretend she doesn't exist right now, uh, uh, my wife had said, "You, you guys really ought to, you know, you ought to think about trying to do look again, um, like through um, um, Burger Records." That was the end of Burger right there. <laughs> yeah so that yeah. explains it that's why burger went down <laughs> yeah yeah we killed him uh, that would that was a stroke of luck because what happened was um my original idea was let's get the thing out and i'd long ago i'd been trying to get the thing um the, the original tapes burned um for decades i had been talking to greg shaw in 2003 about doing that and i had a very long um email that I uh, sent to him regarding Look Again, because we were like talking to each other like daily and my whole email program crashed. And then I found out later that was the night he died. So that kind of killed that idea. Um, <laughs> so I was like of a mind to just let's, let's just, you know, put it out quick just so that it finally gets out. Vitus was adamantly opposed to that idea. Thank you, Vitus. We are forever you know, the win is thanks to Vitas, it turned out as as good as it did. Um, and uh, Randall, of course, found Fat Possum to be a lot more um, agreeable in terms of what we would ultimately like to do, which would be to have the booklet, to have the special care and treatment. And um, of course, Burger Records ended up going uh, belly up a few months ago. So that was fortuitous that we didn't stay with them. Um, was there anything else that I was going? To? Oh yeah, so that's 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 kind of yeah. Randall just um, had you know knew about Fat Possum already, and so um, was you know they just worked. Um, what I wanted to add, oh yeah, it's like the um, the stuff that Vitas was referring to, the um, extra uh, guitars and voices. I was led to believe at the time um, that that that. Uh, a lot of those tracks had not been kept, uh, which, as it turns out, was because somebody wanted to hurry up and get us out of the studio. <laughs> right, have done with it, get us out of the studio. Our pro the producer's idea was, oh, yeah, it'll be just like you guys are live. We'll have all the guitar in one channel and then all the keyboard on the other channel. Right. And then we'll lock the control room door so they can't come in here and fool with the mix. Exactly, which is pretty much what happened. Yeah, it was absolutely insane, inane, and and absurd, and yeah, and that's why it didn't come out. It's 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 a miracle. First, it's a miracle that the stuff didn't get wiped, 
And uh, basically, the my instructions, because uh, Johnny had said, yeah, we got extra tracks, but um, I think are, um, they appear to be duplicates. I said, oh, ooh, try running something with all of them in there. And um, actually, we have at least one track that shouldn't have been in there that ended up on there, which I haven't said anything about because it's just too much fun. I did a little piano piece. I don't know if you remember that, Vitas, for everybody had it. I had some ideas and just did like a, 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 a demo, like a run through. It was kind of sloppy. And at the end, the producer said, I'm sure we can work that in. And uh, I think we all knew he was lying. But uh, Johnny put it in and it is in the mix. So <laughs> we've, we've got me playing piano on one song. But um, basically it's like all, so it was a, it was a miracle when, when Johnny did restore those tracks to discover that there were extra vocal harmonies and extra guitar bits that were what I intended. It's, 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 it's kind of extraordinary to hear something you thought was lost for the first time in 40 years. That's you know, amazing. and to hear that, oh, you know, for the first time, oh, this is what we wanted to do. Wow. This is how we wanted it to sound. Wow. We actually wanted to go through the tracks, but before we did that, um, I had a quick question about the album cover. Whose idea is this? So it looks like it's you, Joe, um, probably singing a love song, I'm guessing. Uh, oh, you could tell, you could tell it's a very soft ballad. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, that's me in mid scream. I've, I've always been kind of ambivalent to that photo. Vetus has always liked it. I blame Vetus. Yeah, I really like that photo because it has the intensity of the live set. And uh, while the records sound very pop to, you know, most people, there's a whole nother edgy side to the band that often got lost. It certainly got lost during the LA Explosion sessions. And somehow we didn't manage to really bring that back in during Look Again. It did creep in during Painting Smiles on a Dead Man. But that photo to me just, uh, you know, commemorates what the band was about live energy-wise. So I thought it was great to have that on the front cover. Nice. It looks amazing. I, I, I would say that the hard edge actually did come through, and especially um, 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 Vita's song uh, Snake in the Grass and in uh, Jungle Book. And I think possibly one few others, but I, I definitely think the edge of the band uh, is certainly way more there than it was during LA Explosion. LA Explosion, our one, we had a producer who we loved dearly, John Harrison, great guy, but he hated distortion. He was the original bassist for Hawkwind, so go figure. Yeah. <laughs> but he could not stand distortion. Vitus will recall, we had a three hour, um, three hours booked at Media Art in Hermosa that we did nothing except argue because he brought um, a perfect amp for doing the, we were gonna do the distorted guitar session, uh, sessions, get all the distorted guitar mixes and um, the engineer wasn't having it. Yeah, we basically, it's like it came down to, you know, if we wanna make the album, we kinda gotta, gotta let him have his way and go for clean. So that was he had his reason. He had his reason. He'd seen us live as a sloppy, very noisy, very distorted outfit. And it became his goal that if someone played this record he was producing for us, that the songs would stand out rather than the chaos. And he was successful and a great guy. I mean, that was one of the best experiences recording with John Harrison. But that's oh, the record we're talking about today. <laughs> we're gonna fix this. Sorry. Next. Sorry. We're gonna fix that one. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, on that on that subject, Vitus, um, I, I, I'm coming around to the idea of doing that next. Okay, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, I think just based on what we were able to do uh, with with just like what, what Johnny was able to do to the existing tracks, I'm thinking that the mixing choices that we had to make uh, back in 79 might not be the same ones if um you know if the sounds were improved and and i i wanted to point out there is bass on l explosions yes. <laughs> david, david Nolte did play bass on the whole album you can't tell from listening to yes. it but there are bass tracks they do exist yeah it's a funny sounding record and it captures a certain moment i think some people will be disappointed to hear the way we're probably going to come up with something that's the way that we actually intended to play it or actually played it because the band never sounded like those recordings on that explosion that was uh that was a fabrication in the studio but you sure can hear the songs the harmonies are there the melodies are there but it's not a rock and roll band playing at all so we might get a chance to fix that actually mix it the way that it was recorded wow you, you're hearing this Soraya? <laughs> I'm I'm writing it down, so it's committed to memory well, now. I like that. I'm hearing it. I'm I'm we're here for it. So, all right, Jeff. Should we walk through? Yes. The track. Yes, let's do that. You ready? To do that? Let's do it. Okay, so let's go. Friday starts with a song written by Joe Nolte, "Lies." through all of these and something that Joe um sorry that Jeff notices is how things are placed and what I've what we found really interesting is side A side B there are three songs by Joe two by Vetus on both sides that's symmetry yeah except on side B there's one also one cover which we'll get to but I we thought that was interesting just an observation so we want to start with uh, side A lies written by Joe Nolte and we're just curious if there's anything you want to add uh, for our listeners, anything, any anecdote about this song in particular. Uh, let's see. Uh, Either one of you. Huh? Vetus, do you have anything? Well, uh, Mike sings it, as I recall. That's one thing. It's starting off the album, that's something that Mike is singing, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the song we usually started the set with for us. And it was a good song to figure out your levels, right? Because it came in with guitar, bass, and drums, the guitar wasn't prominent. And then you could kind of fade up the keyboard till everything sounded right on stage. That's all I remember. That <laughs> was the song to get adjusted to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, we'd go, we'd go in and we'd have to get to the, each club, you know, like the Whiskey and Starwood, et cetera, hours early to do a sound check. And then, and it wouldn't, and it would have been for nothing because every, all the levels are completely different by the time it was time to play. So it's like, 
and typically there'd be somebody <laughs> different at the board. Guaranteed. So, yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. Um, Lies was yeah. Lies was. Um, it was it was a it was a good opener because it's a fake out. I love fake outs, and it starts with a little quiet guitar. You know, I love doing that. And then the drums proceed to take you straight down to hell, where all the good stuff happens. Um, it was actually a true story. I was working at a burger place in El Segundo in '78, um, and um, uh, this it was uh, this this uh, teenager who worked there. Um, had you know gotten stood up because he had to work late and the girl wouldn't wait for him and um so for some ungodly reason i ended up turning that into a song um which i think we actually i think i actually debuted acoustically for them a couple weeks later um at uh an entirely illegal party which is probably more than i should have said um but uh yeah that's about it for that one. <laughs> All right. So what about track number two? Another Joe Nulty pinned track. Um, and that's just life. thoughts you guys on this one well it was one of the really energetic tracks live one of, it's probably my favorite song on the record and in terms of what it's about only joe can tell you but i love the attitude in that song ah, okay it's um it was we were at the whiskey we had just we had uh played so it would have been the song was written in early seven like february 78 so it must have been one of those january shows um and i'm sitting it's after we played i'm sitting uh i'm standing in the crowd um watching whoever and um the drummer the current drummer for the germs is right in front of me and he's like a little a skinny guy and you know um he's but he's jumping up and down with a band and enjoying himself. Unfortunately, there's an 800-pound biker directly behind him. You and so I'm watching. Guy, right? like, you picked him up and weighed him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. I just kind of. <laughs> um, so, I, I. It didn't look like it was going to end well. Anyway, the 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 kid keeps jumping and bumping into the guy, and the guy's like just like steaming it's like that one guy in in uh give me shelter you know who's just like <sighs> you know um it yeah he was just like he, he was working himself up he wanted to get good and mad and then um at, he finally reaches his arm back you know to swing you know and so i just grabbed his arm <laughs> i wasn't smart and uh, <laughs> and he just he turns and looks at me with this look of are you crazy <laughs> and God knows it would have happened, but at that point, a couple of bouncers grabbed me and threw me out, which belatedly I realized, you know, I realized this for my own good, saved my life, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, at the time, I was just furious. Wait, I wasn't the problem. That other guy was. Why didn't they throw him out? Yeah. I wasn't smart. Anyway, so 
um, I that that I immediately wrote that's just life. It's all about getting thrown out of the whiskey. Wow. So th I think you're referring to Don Bowles, the drummer for the Germs, right? Probably, yeah. I the names have have, have started running. It was Don Bowles. It was Don Bowles. It was Don Bowles. Okay, good. All right. So next track, right, Saya? Then next one is sorry. I have to correct myself. On side A, there are four tracks by Joe. Two by Vetus, but on side B it was three and two. Sorry. Uh, third, uh, Joe Nolte uh, penned track Obsession. Once in a dream, a time long years ago, I recall. I stood before a while, a stone of bricks cracked with the years, and I swore. Song. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, that was a lot of the look at um okay. The first two uh were from 78. Um okay. this one, as a few others were at, was actually like written to order. It's like, oh crap, we're doing an album and we don't have enough songs. <laughs> you know, it's uh <laughs> Yeah, that's just one of those things. So I had to just, um, I had this old fake Dylan song, which uh, like, um, three days out from civilization, you know the tune. Oh, I was young, I know I was, I howled beneath the moon. So I say, I'll be going away, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, never went anywhere. Um, and so I just completely rewrote it, turned it into a ballad, and boom, obsession. Nice. <laughs> boom. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah, I had this fake Dylan song, you know, boom, here, <laughs> obsession. That, brilliant, brilliant. That's how you write a song. Oh my God. Yeah, that, that is, that's how you do it. it. it that's how no you do better, it, folks. No better motivation than crap, I need a song. <laughs> All right, Vita. So your first track on Look Again, and Joe no noted 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 that it, this was one of the songs that he feels that has shows the band with some power. tell us about snake in the grass well it was about the division between pop bands and what was punk rock uh becoming hardcore and, and thrash and it was all good uh except that there was sort of an attitude that crept in is you guys are the skinny tie band right the last is a skinny tie band you guys don't play these things oh you you have a show with black flag and fear <laughs> 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 you're gonna get eaten alive well that's not the case we did just fine thank you so there was this, uh, you know, 
line in the sand that somehow we're no longer supposed to cross it. But uh, I think we were there longer than that whole thing. We lived through it. We, we were part of that start to finish. And the song was about, for those people that didn't realize it, yeah, we can, we can jam pretty hard too if we want to stay. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Oh, and Soraya, um, if, if I may jump in here real quick, um, we were talking earlier um, with us being prominently a Paisley Underground podcast, we wanted to um, mention that the last we've found out by doing this podcast were hugely influenced on every single one of the bands. In fact, we learned that Steve Wynn wanted to join the band, wanted to join the last. David Roback mm -hmm. wanted to be a member of the last. Sue Hoffs wanted to be a member of the last. Yeah. Michael Coercio comes to the, see the last and then starts up Salvation Army being motivated by seeing you guys. So we call the band the, the godfathers of the Paisley Underground. And, um, and I think there was another quote that we took um, from our first talk with Joe. What, yes. what was that about the Paisley Underground and referring to Joe? Uh, Joe Nolte told our, our listeners in our first interview with him that uh, the Paisley Underground is also known as the Fuck You Joe Nolte <laughs> I think I made it up at that moment, but yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the next track. Sorry about that. All right, so Vita, the next track uh, on this side is also penned by you. Should I say a word, Just Another Girl? I saw her yesterday. This was not intended to be a song. This is recorded little to be recorded little pieces and distributed like on a Todd Rundgren record as transitions between the different songs. And it just never got around to it. And the album's not structured that way. We left it as one tune, but it's not really arranged to work that way. And Joe salvaged it by putting a little stop thing in the middle of it. Um, but it's just a chopped up bit. It's supposed to be something that reappears as a theme between the other songs. Uh -huh. Oh, so that was the original intention. Yes, that was my intention. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. We'll shop up one of your songs and put it in little pieces. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that brings us to the last song on side A. And uh, we return to um, Joe's song. And this is with Difference. The author saw you. The day I realized. I was in love with you I would not have believed That it would be the last I'd ever seen of you oh. 
Do you have any anything to talk about with this particular song? I I, I could I could easily give you an hour on difference, um, but um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, yeah. Come the seventeenth refers specifically to March seventeenth, nineteen seventy nine. Some song some songs um, I wrote quick. I tried to think of a good example, but I mean I've got I I've got songs that I I wrote like in like as as basically as long as it takes to play the song, you know, it just all came out. Um, and Difference took, I think, about uh, six to nine months. Wow. Um, and uh, Difference was originally, I was working on like three different songs and um, none of them were quite what I wanted. March 17th, there was going to be a big show, which was uh, going to be at um, Elks Lodge downtown. And it was the show. It was it had a lot of a lot of bands, go go's, etc. Um, but it was set up for the Alley Cats because they were going to be recorded live for a major label. I want to say A and M, but I'm not positive. Um, and uh, so it was like a big deal. A lot of people showed up, yeah. and um, uh, so did the LAPD. And basically, it was shut down before the Alley Cats even got to play. Um, but um, it turned into a punk rock riot with um, got kids getting billy clawed, uh, people being sent to the hospital. Nobody died, as far as I know, but it was um, absolute madness. And that same night, um, a good friend of mine, actually Jeffrey Pierce, the author of uh, Jungle Book, had just left LA, uh, as far as we knew, for good to, to move to New York, where the action really was, right? Right. right. So um, um, he had just left. I was bummed about that. And there was a girl I had my eye on, and I got the news uh, at the beginning of the evening that she didn't want any part of me. And so I'm nursing a broken heart and here come the cops. <laughs> and uh, that's what I needed to finish the song. So I took, um, I took a lot of one song, which is kind of like the verses of difference. And I took the best parts of the other two, threw them all together. And it still took me until I think um, uh, Memorial Day to actually finish, to actually finish the final words because I, I knew it was going to be good and I wanted to get it just right, but it was still a little weird. So I played it for Vitus. Um, and I, I, I said, I don't know if we should even try this one. I think it's too weird. What do you think? And, um, and, and Vitus, you remember Vaguely, that? Yes. I rather liked it. I thought it was good. I like the things we wrote. We started writing songs together, songs for each other. There were all these parts. It was progressive stuff. And then we were suddenly back to that with the difference. Yeah, Vivitas actually was very encouraging and uh, said, no, no, you got to do it. It's great. And just, okay. And uh, the, the, the parts for the first song that I had left over actually became Look Again, <laughs> which was also written because I needed, we needed a song for the album. One thing I love about you two, um, it's, I don't know if you guys can work together in a band setting, but you guys are very complimentary of one another. And it seems like you guys definitely know how talented each other are. And I really 
I really respect that about the two of you. Everything's fine for the plugs in that damn guitar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Soraya, side two. So then we we flip flip it over and we start out with Avita's track, Everyone's a Holiday. Yeah, I uh, can't tell you really what it's about, but you know, all things must pass. <laughs> Not exactly the George Harrison interpretation of that theme. And uh, that was written to be a pop song more than anything else. And I wanted to have like this loop of stuff going. Uh, I was into running loops of tape around, uh, you know, chair legs and stuff and trying to play along with that. I was doing my easy listening experiments and things and poor Joe received these cassettes of whatever I'd done. And, he managed to fit a few of them into the set and a few of them into this album. And uh, Everyone's a Holiday is one of them, and so is Subway Song. They're both from my little experimental tapes with loops and stuff. Wait, so you're, you're physically putting tapes around legs of chairs? Yeah. Well, I would play a little riff and snip it down and loop it around stuff and then run it past the tape head. Yeah, you have to spool it over the reel with the motor running on it. And I would play along to that, or I would just take the same part and record it, you know, over and over and duplicate it and splice them together, put together a chorus that had all the loops and then have that splice the verses in between. Yeah, I had lots of fun with that. Now you can do it with just hitting something on your keyboard and Pro Tools and it's done, right? It's not the thing. <laughs> it took a razor blade and some tape and a lot of patience, a little bit of blood. It was <laughs> kind of messy. Wow. Some of the accidents were the best part of it, though. We don't get those experiences now. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing I think it's missing out of music today, recordings today. So Subway Song, same thing you said? Same thing, yeah. It's a, it's a one of the, what I call the easy listening experiments. I had a you know, goal of doing about 12 of these, putting them together somehow. But thankfully, Joe salvaged the songs that could actually be played by a band live. And that was a good one live. We had a lot of fun. It just was not a rockabilly song when it started, but it ended up that way. City on the street, it gets hot. But I can't sleep at night. There's a shadow hanging over me. No city sleeps at night. The sky caves in and the seas get tight. Our shadows cross the line. Oh, there's a story. Oh, here oh, we go. Oh, yes. Did I say that out loud? Um, I use my outdoor <laughs> voice. Okay. Uh, oh no, it just uh, so yeah. Su Subway was a dirge initially. It was great, you know. Is um, uh, you know, uh, Gregorian monks, you know, on their way to perdition, you know, singing, bemoaning their fate, you know, just an amazing. That's that's just how it sounded to me. It's just like, um beautiful and um uh i turned it into a rockabilly song <laughs> um i try to keep there's little you could hear elements you know the actually one of the guitar things that we saved actually is back in there that that 
echoed one of the uh, musical themes that had gotten left out of the original mix. But um, um, yeah, I wanted I wanted to do a, I wanted to do a Scott thing, and I wanted to do a rockabilly thing, and I. You didn't want to do them to your own songs. <laughs> yeah, I know. I ended up well. I did. I was out of time. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't. Have to, I know. You're right. Actually, I'm a bad person, and I apologize. <laughs> we got this cassette of easy listening experiments. Let's scoff one of these fuckers. But yeah, so that that little scoff thing in, in the middle of um 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 should I say a word? Uh, <laughs> Well, I would, that, that was fun, but yeah, I did. I I I rockabilly the hell out of a subway song, turned into a completely different song, really. And um, um, contrary to how difference evolved, uh, I Vitus didn't like this initially at all. <laughs> and it, it wasn't. I, I don't. I, it wasn't until which makes sense because he I had you know destroyed the original song to make a new one. And it wasn't until people, we started doing it live and people started like saying it was the best song in the set that he said, oh, okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I wrote it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, um, oh dear, yes, perhaps I was, I was a bit of an autocrat. That of course would be, be over and done with by the end of the year. But uh, anyway. So Vetus, you were okay with the change that Joe made to the song? Well, at the time, I didn't think it was a good idea. I thought the song belonged in a completely different. We should do it. Thing, but uh, we could. Oh. <laughs> man. But we just recorded Make Believe, by the way. <laughs> um, I was fine with it. By the time the band was playing it, we'd done it live a couple times. It wasn't just that people liked it. But I was actually aware of the fact that it had become kind of a rocking song. It's good. Yeah. It was real good. Yeah. yeah. Joe was right. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. That's often the case, I'll say. All right, so Joe, up next, everybody had it with you. Okay, and actually, this—you uh, mentioned that uh, that cover that has um, difference lyrics uh, written on a wall. Um, that was my bedroom. Yes. That was um, in the basement of the church, the the legendary Hermosa Beach punk rock hangout. And oh, okay. um, this is like Black Flag practice there, Red Cross practice there. Soraya, um, you got that handy. Uh, yeah. Let me point out that the font is immediately recognizable as yeah, Joe Nolte's yeah. scroll. There's no clicker right like that. You know that's what I was writing. This um, <laughs> looked like that too. Um, and why did I bring that up? 
there was a reason. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So I moved when I moved in uh, to that room. That was my bedroom, as I said. I shared it with Ron Reyes, um, who this is before he actually. This is right before he joined Red Cross, and and months before he joined Black Flag, and. Um, uh, Ron was going through a uh, Buzzcocks kick and uh, was playing Buzzcocks singles um, like incessantly and um, I about that time I think after hearing Lipstick about a hundred times I thought this is a great song and I thought I want to write a song like Lipstick and we needed a song. This and again, it's spring of 1980. It's early spring 1980. We need songs for the album, and so I decided to come up with uh, my own version of Lipstick. And so I came up with Everybody Had It. Contrary to popular belief, it is not about anyone or anything. It is simply a joke song. It's you know the whole, you know the whole pun is had it. You know having it and having it. Ha ha. Um, this the, yeah, this is where my, my, my humor was back in 1980. Um, uh, trying to think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, should I? Yeah, why not? I had a song called, I had a song called Don't Go that I wrote in 78 again. Maybe 77, no, 77 probably. That uh, started like, um, um, uh, well, actually, you had a midsection that um, it's, it's, it's basically like a sort of quasi uh, 66 teen punk rock song uh, sort of thing. And but then the middle is switches to minor key and goes. Um, so I stole that riff. Um, and um, that's, of course, how everybody had it started. Um, and so having you know, already trashed Don't Go, I, um, when I was writing another song, I decided to revisit Don't Go's uh, verses, which began like this. I feel so bad, I wish that I was dead. If you don't know why, then think about what you said. She said, hey, and so on. So yeah, um, nice. that's where that, this is a version of Don't Go on uh, YouTube. And it's a Warfrat and I, Are you the music kidding? machine. But we got the whole song top. No, it's a good version of Don't Go. It's on YouTube. I've never seen that. From way at the back of the hall, Don Brown just set his little camera down back by the soundboard and filmed that. And one song by each of the other bands. So check nice. it out. It's a good version of Don't Go. Yeah. You won't yeah. recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> Undoubtedly. <laughs> All right, so then, Vita, I want to ask this question to you. Uh, fourth track on this side is Jungle Book, which is a Jeffrey Lee Pierce song. So how did the decision to bring in a cover come in? Uh, there's two different stories here. Uh, OK, I'll take at least one. OK, uh, I was playing with Jeff Pierce, uh, who needed a drummer also, and Jack Reynolds was playing drums for him. And we did not record with him, but we played a gig with him. And he retained Jack to play on other stuff too. I just wasn't available, didn't have enough time. And I later got involved with producing the gun club and recording gun club stuff. 
But that song had been around was on that demo that I had nothing to do with. And Fast Freddy got everybody in town into that song, including Joe. And it's the first song that I learned to play on guitar because Jeff sat me down at the Starwood, not the Starwood, the Gazzari's one night and showed me all the chords to it. I still play it the way that he taught me. Um, but I was into the song. Joe thought I wasn't into it, but I was into it. And I was thrilled that we picked it. And there were a few shows where Jeff would come on stage and sing it, including at that, that place in Culver City, whatever that huge place was where you play with the plugs and plimsolls and mutants and somebody else. But that song was great live. It had suspense in it. And it was just nice to bring that in because it was a completely different style of writing than what Joe was doing at that moment. I would never be able to write a song like that. So I was thrilled that it was on there. And it is the highlight of the record. And the delivery that that song gets in that recording is great. And all the other verses, I think, that are, that are out there, there's many verses of it, they don't really capture the song. I think the last version is actually the definitive version, to quote Gary Stewart, of that song. Under the light, dark parking lot of light. Somebody screaming and yelling into the night. Babe, I don't know if he's talking to God or what. I don't anything, just keep it shit under the That's just one story. I want to hear the other one too. <laughs> well, here, here's how we did it. Here's 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 why we how we came to do the song. Um, All right. What happened was this goes back to '78 again. Freddie played me the um, demo. It was a band called the Red Lights, uh, which was Jeffrey's old band. Jeffrey Pierce, um, after they broke up, pretty much retired from 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 playing music, and um, Fast Freddy played me um, this demo of Jungle Book, which they recorded, and uh, I thought it was amazing. And that's partly I, I just kept, you know, pushing Freddy. I said I got to meet this guy, and uh, me, Freddy, and Jeffrey uh, became inseparable drinking buddies um, through the rest of '78 and '79, and. Um, it was at Gazari's, but I think it was at a, uh... yes, what happened was um, I kept bugging Jeffrey to form a new band. I said, you got to do that. And then finally I said, if you're not going to do Jungle Book, then uh, we're going to do it. And um, 
Jeffrey agreed and I said, okay, um, just write me the words. And so he at Gazari's one night, which uh, for all I know could have been the same night he showed Vitas the guitar chords. Uh, um, at Gazari's one night, we sat down, he wrote out the lyrics. Um, and that was that. And uh, after we started, we started doing it live not too long after that. And um, uh, not too long after we started doing it live, I convinced Jeffrey to come on and sing it. And so we ended up for a while there, we were closing almost, you know, many shows with Jungle Book. And it was great because Jeffrey would go crazy at the end, you know, during that whole, because you don't fade out live. So what are you going to do if you can't fade out? freak out so we do a freak out and basically the band would leave one by one starting with me i would like at the starwood i would just like throw my guitar down literally um and run up the stairs and in you know 20 seconds i'd be at the back of the crowd watching <laughs> and um I think then 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 vitas would go gradually you know be down to just like jeffrey screaming so blue you know, and Jack would be playing on drums, and that would be <laughs> it just kind of it. Oh, go ahead, Vitas. Uh, this just uh, aside, uh, there the Trotsky Ice Pick dudes and I were playing, gonna play Leaving Train unrehearsed at whatever Cafe Nila or whatever, whatever that cafe is. I can't remember the name of the club, but Watson was there, there and we just said, you know, Tom, do you want to come up and play? We're gonna do that song, Leaving Train by the Leaving Trains. You want to play on it? Yeah, sure. Okay. The encore. What Tom was not prepared for was that we all threw our instruments down one by one and walked off and just left them up there. <laughs> That's on YouTube too. He's kind of surprised that he's alone. <laughs> yeah, that was a highlight of the set. That was a great time. Also, when Fast Freddy would come on and do Push Into Hard, that was great. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was good. And we, I think I talked about that once already. Maybe. Those are some of the good memories of that period. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what about the other side, Joe? There's two songs that don't do as much for me as as the rest of the album. I shouldn't talk about things like that, though. We're trying to promote how perfect it no, is. No, that's okay. I want to okay. hear about this. Um, for some, for whatever reason, and I know I heard somebody <clears throat> somebody's uh, mentioned that they thought that you know, "Snake in the Grass" was possibly 
better in the original mix, which I categorically disagree with, but to each their own. For me, that's just life didn't, as the one song where nothing substantial seemed to be added. And maybe it's okay. Maybe that's just because it was better than the others because of the arrangement initially. There wasn't that much that could be done to ruin it back then. But um, uh, that's just like, didn't didn't really I do, do anything special. I mean, it's not like it's bad, but, and the other side, I just, it, the other side needed some really um, tender loving care to, to, to do what I intended. It's supposed to be um, just um, a lot of vocals. Everly a lot Brothers. of stuff going on. Huh? I needed the Everly Brothers treatment. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it, it really the Everlys um, and Beatles and Buddy Holly and, you know, probably a couple others. Uh, maybe the Walker Brothers. But um, it's, it's because there's like three-part harmony that all should have been at least double or triple tracked by the end of the song where you got the uh, um, as we turn to leave you and um, you, well anyway there's there's just a lot of stuff and I we we we, we just were not able I was yeah we were not we were kind of rushed into into the version that we ended up with and it's it's good it's certainly been improved as has everything um on the same note uh well we'll get to weekend girl i imagine but weekend girl for instance was supposed to be part of the regular album but the mix was so bad it was just <laughs> we couldn't bear to have it on the album it was so bad and now it's like one of the strongest mixes which you know goes to show if you put all the tracks on what'll happen you know <sighs> um <laughs> but uh yeah the other side the other side i'm happy with the other side basically was my my brothers mike and day basically resented me for almost the entire time they were in the band uh which which is okay but it gets old after a few years have gone by and you're like you know why why am i doing this for them um but you know again i wanted to be a nice guy so i decided to write a song from their point of view so the other side is my brothers singing to me, you know, that's the whole idea and that with some men threatening that someday they'll leave me and yeah, which they have, of course, um, <laughs> repeatedly in some cases. And, um, yeah, and it's, 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 it's okay. It's just that every time I hear it, I think about what could have been. And I've actually recorded a acoustic version that that does what it was supposed to do, um, but that's neither there here or anywhere. Uh, so, okay, yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. The acoustic version's great, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And then we end it all with another Joe Nolte tune. Look again. See my world.
Maybe. Great song. Thank you. Appropriately enough, um, uh, the look again was written because we needed another song. Um, <laughs> we got we got an album title too. I didn't even think about the fact the initials were LA at the time, but um, that worked out pretty good. Um, and uh, look again was about uh, was based on my current real life situation and her parents. <laughs> and um, uh, again, it was, and, and it's, I really hadn't intended to have a second opus. You know, we already had difference on the album, but looking at just, look again, again, started. I had the little thing that was uh, what was left from difference uh, from the thing that I, I um, you know, tore apart for difference. So um, it just wasn't, the music wasn't going to fit into a two and a half minute song uh, and was going to need like 10 extra parts. So um, I resisted, but finally said, ah, forget it. So, you know, I just uh, um, did. There's a, there's a few songs. There's a song called Work, which is also, I, you know, tore up and, 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 and you know, threw like one, like half of one verse in there. Uh, so there's at least two other songs, possibly more. Uh, but again, we just needed another song. So um, uh, I just, I just made it. Yeah, that's a pretty epic song to just make. <laughs> there may have been a touch of uh, Richie Valens influence there. Uh, <laughs> like the, the riff is totally a Richie ripoff. Well, um, homage, I should say. You know? <laughs> yeah. And a version of it ends up on Danger. A version uh, of both Difference and Look Again end up on Danger. Um, Bill Stevenson really wanted to do those two songs. And as I found out, he really wanted to do them just like the album. So he, we, he, he pushed for that and I, you know, let him have his way. So we, we, we kind of did it that way at that time. Uh, yeah, how long ago was that? It was a while ago now. Um, a decade ago, two decades, decade and a half. Um, at that time, I didn't think we were really, I'd given up on Look Again um, ever. I, I did not think this day would ever come. Oh my God. Can I just say how delighted both Vetus and I are, as well as the people who've heard the album now, that the record has come out the way it was supposed to. It's, it's vindication. It sounds like it was supposed to. It worked. And um, we're just so gassed. Um, but anyway, I didn't think it was going to happen back then. So we, we ended up sort of like doing a, an attempting carbon copies. But I think that you can't, uh, with, the, with the new mixes, you can't beat the originals, obviously. Yep. Yeah. To Vetus's point earlier. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned um, Weekend Girl, which you can get on the seven inch single if you order the vinyl. And it also comes on the CD, the last couple songs. So Weekend Girl there, which also came out on Painted Smiles on a De Dead Man. Oh, regrettably right? so, yes. <laughs> different version. Completely different version. Yep. And, um, and neither one is the original version, which uh, oh. goes back to. 78 was written right about the time Lies was. And it's almost a different song, but it's I'm currently, well, until the, um, yeah, immediately pre-COVID, I was actually um, teaching a band the song. Um, 
but yeah, Weekend Girl kind of, we hadn't done anything with the original version and let me see. Oh yeah, we needed songs for the album. <laughs> so I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to redo, I'm going to turn this into like a, a, a plebsoulsish ish sort of like pop song. And that was delivered because it's like the whole, I, I changed the focus so that it was written about a girl who is always going to, you know, like uh, uh, a, a sort of a, a romance that could not be because the boy would always go to punk rock shows and the girl would always go to pop shows. Uh. <laughs> and so therefore, that, therefore, I decided to make it sort of a, you know, um, to deliberately do kind of a power pop thing. So I rewrote it that way. And, um, and as I said previously, it just turned out horribly. And um, lo and behold, all <laughs> uh, 40 years later, we were able to uh, fix it in the mix. for some reason I decided to revisit it and change it around and there's an inferior version which came out on Painting Smiles. Then again, um, I by that time I didn't know what I was doing so I'm <laughs> pretty sure everything I did was wrong then. As far as the actual recording though of Weekend Girl, that was the one where the cymbals, even the ride, would trigger the gate on the snare in John Frank's drum kit. So you couldn't play back and have all the snare hits there. It was missing every third snare beat. And it was oh, just, the drums were all chopped up, which is one of the reasons why we just jumped the mix because it was damaged. But Johnny Bell spent a day and a half fixing each individual drum track so they wouldn't be turning on and off. This is after the tape had been transferred and it came in at different levels and going in and out of phase, all that was corrected digitally. So you could actually play it back and not have it be really funky. And then fixing all the errors that were made initially tracking the drums. The guys in the control room were not familiar with that console. They were not familiar with that room. They didn't care about our music. We were there to help them pay their part of what the studio cost because they needed to bail out of it. I think we were just, you know, some sort of a, <clears throat> a source for a small amount of funding and that's all they were interested in. But Weekend Girl was the one that you really couldn't even play it back even when the tape was restored. And wow. The performance wasn't bad, the performance was good. But the, without drums, that song doesn't work at all. Yeah, and again, there's no digital samples or anything. It's John Frank's drum kit, but someone has methodically gone in and fixed each track so you can every, hear everything that he played. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's important to stress. This is every 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 beat, every note, everything on the album is from then. Yeah, it is from the original um, recording sessions. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, I was. At one time, I thought you guys might have gone back in and thought about redoing some parts or adding guitar parts, but that's good to hear that. Yeah. That's a really all... slippery throat slope. If we started down that road, it would be, yeah, it would be all over. Edith <laughs> <laughs> right. and I would both want to change so much, I think. Um, but uh, uh, there's also Fade to Black. Sometimes, anytime, anyway, way aside, I sit and I wait. Sometimes, and then the world goes How did this song come to be a co-write which ended up on a an ep right or a 12 inch or yeah a 12 inch ep yeah okay <laughs> so how did this song come to be as a co-write i'm guessing it started with vetus uh, right you are it was a song called eight after one and it was just a creepy little thing but it happened to sort of mimic what's going on in this movie that joel will tell you about where there was a shot at having the song in the soundtrack and having a little cameo and at some point in the movie, something insignificant. So we we're all over that. We thought that would be great. Joe found a way to take the title of the movie and work it into a, you know that eight after one thing and perhaps make it the theme for the movie. To you, Joe. It, it should have been a theme. Um, yeah, what happened, um, we had um, I'd actually been able to read the initial, uh, the director had also written the script, the initial script, which is the one I read, um, had everything with a sort of like Venice Beach vibe, but um, I I knew that he had since rewritten it and made it so to be more of a punk rock Hollywood Rocky Horror type vibe, um, and therefore he was you know looking for a suitable band, <laughs> um, and yeah. So once again, I I picked on Vs. <laughs> I, I realized, you know, because they would go the song go eight after one, I'm here with a gun. Yeah, we're having some fun. And um, I thought, oh my God, I fade to black. I was thinking of you. Um, and see, I knew the story and I incorporated probably a little bit too much into the lyrics. But so I rewrote, the, I basically just did the lyrics, rewrote them to, you know, um, to, to, to make sense, you know, with, with the movie. And, um, but the music, the music, yeah, the music's all Vetus. Um, and uh, we didn't make the cut. We got filmed for the movie. There are 
um, a couple of stills that that I that I have in my possession actually from an early program, and that's about it. Although we're hoping the footage exists somewhere. Um, there are people actually searching for this at this time for an undisclosed project. <laughs> uh, Interesting. Yes. It's uh, a trailer for Fade to Black, and we actually make our cameos snippet in that trailer. There is? I believe so. Oh, I'd love to see that. I, I have missed I it. Anyway, seen it yeah. Someone told me. Ah, anyway, so yeah, okay. So that would be even much better. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we, they, um, they, they cut our scene and they decided not to go with a song. Um, I think the reason was it was, you know, too literal, you know, it gave too much of the plot away. You know, I think they decided they wanted more of a, you know, synthesizer, boom, 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 you know, type of thing. So, oh, well, but um, it should have been. We did get a credit on the movie for soundtrack material that was nowhere to be found in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they gave us credit for every summer day, which also didn't make it. But they gave us credit. That was that was that was our little. You know, we never saw a cent, but <laughs> that was that was that was our token prize. Thanks for playing. Here's a credit. Wow. Whoopee. So I have a, one last question before we let you guys go. Joe, you have a 12-string guitar next to you. Is there any way that we could coerce you to do one song from the album? Do you remember the lyrics to any song that you could perform for us, one of them? Oh, does it have to be from that album? <laughs> well, that's the album we're talking about. Here. I know, but you know how many times I've heard it. Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh... Speed after one. All right, uh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay, um, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, save them with your plight. Oh, no, you can't desert your post. A field made of granite, surrounded by the ghosts of the nightmares you with your chains and your bows. Da -da 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 -da. Oh, no, no, it'll all be there if it's any. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> That was that was something Beavis and I were working on in '75, I think. Actually, um, <laughs> uh, it was it was it was it was going to be part of a long Beavis thing, which was then possibly going to be part of an even longer uh, joint thing that I wanted to do called Spirits of '76. Oh wow! Um, it's actually we were probably working on it. Could we be working on '76? Who knows? But um. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much old stuff that that um, in retrospect was you know if people bought the stuff they did they'll go for that um, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> I want to kind of bring bring to life while 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 we have life. Um, but we're talking about look again. Um, um, so. Um, actually, I'll tell you, uh, Vitus, do you ever? quest yeah sure um that's just life thank you for not suggesting one of the long songs <laughs> oh i should i should point out that that's just life i'm going to be is going to be broadcast online live tomorrow oh cool that's one of the two songs i did i did two look again songs i did that's just life and 
another very memorable one because I can't think of what it was. <laughs> oh, 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 everybody had it with you. So those those are going to be on uh, Matt Riggle's show um, tomorrow, which that's the one we invited you to if you want to like if you're not doing anything tomorrow. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that that's probably we should probably do another one just in case there's any crossover. Okay. Uh, gosh, any others? I guess that was obsession. Uh, Such a good song. Uh, okay. Uh, Jess or I, you guys cool with that? Yes. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Do I remember the words? No. <laughs> no. You didn't remember them then. I mean. Oh, good point. You're right. In that case. in a dream time long years ago I recall I stood before a wall of stone and brick cracked with years and I swore to free them all for it leave between me and someone a girl I had never seen once that was me watching and waiting that was my dream till I Found you. Once in a dream, I cried at the foot of a gate. I could not pass through. Once I denied, I walked inside the view of the same way too. And girl, I do most anything to be I'd stay with you, I swear I could write to the end. I'd do most anything you say. I got the deepest place through here. Once I was wise, I laughed at the very idea that I would succumb to the pain and the madness, the stuff of my dreams. Then I laid eyes on you. Now I can't concentrate, it's hard to live from day to day. The things I do for you, I don't dare even say. But that's all right, because you know anyway. Now in my dreams, I see your hair caressed by the winds that brought you there. See the days just die in the sunlight. Oh, 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 oh. Once I had dreams, you know. You had the same dreams, too. You stayed that toll, but somewhere inside, something led me to you, to you.
hearing the the vetus flute in my head <laughs> oh very good yes yes that's an important that's an important part thank you uh, very much so for our listeners look again can be found on Bandcamp and cd album with a this uh extra single which comes with most of the people's shipments right? <laughs> um actually yeah the extra single edition is sold out oh okay so if you want the extra two songs, Weekend Girl and Fade to Black, you got to get the CD. Got to get the CD. Or actually, yeah. no, because no, on the album, if you get the album, the download will give you access to the extra two songs. Excellent. Excellent. So actually, yeah, you're, you're covered either way. Thankfully. So for both of you, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for finally giving this a proper release. <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, after 40 after years. 40 years. So any final thoughts from you two on finally getting this album out, Vetus? I'm just grateful to you guys for doing this and having us on. Thank you for promoting the record and letting people know about it. And I love your show. There's so much great oh. stuff that comes onto your program. And I, I love all the Paisley Underground bands. So you guys started at the right spot and you're branching out. It's great. Thank you. Thank you, Vetus. And Joe, any last thoughts about Look Again finally coming out? Uh, yeah, again, just I'm, I'm very happy. I echo Vetus's thanks to you guys. And, um, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll have to have us back on uh, next year when, yes. uh, when something I, comes out. Um, something? <laughs> Want to be more specific? I, I, I'd, I'd like to, but we did. Okay. Honestly, we have no idea what we were doing. It's like, you know, look, we're going to do an album and <laughs> half of it wasn't written yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's, I, I, I do think we're thinking about LA Explosion. And Very good. Well, this is extremely exciting. If this is any indication of what happened between the test pressing of Look Again and what we have here in our hands now, I can only imagine what, what's going to happen with LA with Explosion. Yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. All right, you two. Thanks again so much for coming on and coming on together. And yes. We really We're appreciate so it. We're so thankful. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. See bye, you baby. next year. Yes. That's right. Cool. We're here for it. Thanks, you guys. Take care. Sure, you too. All right. Thank you, Joe. Sure. Soraya, can you believe that just happened? Um, no. Oh my but God. what I, what people need to need to understand is the smile across Jeff's face right oh now. Oh my God! I One that we got both of them. We got Vetus and Joe together. Oh my God! And the fact that Joe brought his guitar and played it, Jeff is beaming. Okay, I really now, am. Now you know I I thought we ended in a really natural place with them, but I have this quote and I'm going to share it here. Because I think one of the things that you and I have talked about over time 
especially every time this album in particular comes out, uh, comes up in conversation, sorry. Which happens, uh, has happened quite a bit over no, the last No, it's, it's happened a lot and in, in it's the fact that there's that test pressing that somehow has gotten circulated, right? Yep. Where people have digital copies or maybe they have a physical copy, uh, cassette, I mean, you name it. But people always say the same thing about Look Again. Why? Why hasn't it been released? So when we were prepping for this episode, I found this review and it's a fan review from 2012, okay? Okay. So th this is what it says. It's a real pity this album has never been officially released. It is tremendous and every bit as classic as LA Explosion. 12 tracks of absolutely classic punk power pop with a slight 60s feel. Let's petition the band to get this one out there. And I think for as long as you and I, Jeff, have been friends and uh, conversations about the last come up, this album has come up and it's always been followed with the same question at the end. Why, how, how come it never got released? You know, or I wonder if they would. And there were always kind of rumblings about it, but no one ever seemed to be able to pin anything down. And then when they announced this, you would have thought, I don't know. I mean, just the minute it got um, not released, but like um, promoted on, on Bandcamp and people caught wind of it, it caught everyone by surprise and people zoomed to that pre-order, right? And then like everyone was gunning for the colored vinyl and the colored vinyl with the, with the seven inch or the CD with the extra tracks. I mean, you name it. It was really exciting to see fans get what they've wanted for so long. And then hearing Vetus walk us through what had to happen to get it and to get it to sound the way they wanted it to. I mean, it's impressive, no matter how you slice it. And it's, it's due to tenacity, right? On Vetus's part, on Joe's part, on the band's part. And it's wonderful that they now get to give to their fans something that they've always wanted to give them and give it to them in the way they intended. I think it's just amazing. I totally agree. I totally agree. And um, did they just talk about on our show about giving LA Explosion the same treatment? Right? Yes, did they did. I, that's not a dream, right? No, that really happened. And we can roll back the tape. <laughs> uh, Joe teased it. And they discussed it here with us, which is, again, fans of the band should be uh, jumping up and down. Like I'm imagining Howie Cohen at this moment, yeah. probably losing his, losing <laughs> his mind right now. As but, am I. I mean, but look at all the fans. We've talked to them, we've had them on. Think of that panel that we had about Look Again. How timely was that, that we had them on? Let's talk about this album that has really been circulated amongst fans and now it's out there. And to have the same treatment to LA Explosion. Wow. 
baby. That's that's freaking great. And I like that they invited themselves to come back and talk about it next. Oh week. heck yeah! No no no! <laughs> like that's a foregone conclusion. That's happening anyways. Yeah. But um, you know, it's really good. It's really good to hear that there's love and care put into those albums and that the fans are going to get what they deserve. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, one can dream of live shows again. Yeah. We'll actually hear look again from start to finish. Wow. That would be amazing. You know, I'm putting that on my, what is it that people do? What, what did Oprah say? Vision board. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, they say, speak things into existence. Uh, if, you look, can, if, you, if you can imagine it, <laughs> it can happen. Make it, it happen. happen. If you think it, it, it becomes <laughs> it. Um, I'm happy. I'm really happy for Joe Nolte. I'm happy for all the Noltes in the band. All of uh, these guys. All, all these dudes. All these, all these young dudes. And uh, really happy for Vetus, too. I mean, a lot of work went into it, a lot of care, um, a lot of, a lot of hours. But it sounds like they're both very happy with yeah. what came out, and appreciative of of the support for it. And I mean, fans of the band really, really have something to be, you know, something to hold. It's not. It's can we say it's technically a new release? I was, it was wondering never about released that. before. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Except by like Beth, uh, Beth Jeffington, and, and yeah. or Beth, what is it, Beth, Beth Drenneman and uh, Jane Doe. Yeah, they yeah. they had copies of those things. Yeah. But now it's an official release. Official, and uh, if you haven't gotten it, please go and get it. Support the band in in this endeavor. I mean, it, you you deserve it. Yes. If you're a fan of the band, if you're new to the band, go get it. Yes. If nothing, just <laughs> and I love the story about the picture. I don't like the picture. And Vita says, I think that picture exemplifies perfectly the band. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Jeff, did we really have Vetus and Joe on at the same time? Yes, that was that was amazing. I like and like I mentioned earlier, I love how they the mutual respect they they demonstrate when they talk about each other and each other's songwriting skills. Yeah. Um, Something I also want to mention too, and it goes along with um, just the fact that it was, it's, you know, technically a new release. Uh, They, uh, Lies was played recently on Rodney's show. Oh. November November 22nd. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's good that People who were there at the beginning are still supporting them now. Nice. You know, I, that's really good to see. And so uh, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And I think that the last impact on music from LA cannot be underestimated. No. It, it, yeah. Look, LA's early 80s scene, you know, and look at the connection that Joe had, you know to garage, to punk, to pop, you know, all of it. And, uh, you know, it's, 
it's just it's just good to see. It's good to see that uh, people still love him and still want to hear from him. Yeah, we and, do. Uh, right, we saw them in 2019. Yes, right? 2019, right. beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean mid mid year was like May, but um, so they're you know still playing shows and you know hopefully fingers crossed we'll be getting back to live shows again soon. Yes. And uh, and we'll get more of it. But hats off to the last. Hats off for this release. Great job. Indeed. Indeed. All right, mi gente. Agrobiar. Groove on, Paisley people. Oh dear, oh, you, and he connecting and he heard me. Okay, this is gonna be volumed up quite a bit because I can't hear. <laughs> ah, Helmut. I gotta hide. <laughs>